Super Talk Mississippi media production. Spring is in the air, and that means it's time to refresh your wardrobe with the season's hottest trends at the Black Sheep Boutique. Don't blend in this spring. Stand out with the Black Sheep Boutique with two locations to serve you in Tupelo or Saltillo or online at theblackshepboutiquetupelo.com. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. One of those people is actually Greg Cronin, who's the current chairman of the board for Coastal Mississippi Tourism and the Gulf Coast president for Citizens Bank, and we'll have him in the second half of the show. Sort of regret that we had to find a time where we could get together, and that was it. But I regret that we didn't spend a whole hour with Greg, or we will spend a whole hour with Greg. Uh, but uh, we'll have a great conversation in the second half of the show, and this will be the be one of uh, many conversations we'll have with Greg, so look forward to that in the second half of the show. But it's Friday, and it's, it's Jeff Duncan Day here on Coast View. Jeff Duncan is a columnist. Uh, for NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune, a longtime friend. has been on the show for nearly three years. And uh, anyway, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing terrific, Ricky. It's, uh, you know, the season's over, and so we all kind of take a deep breath. But in the NFL, as you know, it never ends. I mean, there's as, almost as much news in the offseason these days as there is during the season. I don't, you know, I don't think, if I look, look at the columns you've written, and the columns your team has written, the number of stories coming out of NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. By the way, if people haven't signed up for your morning newsletter, I highly recommend it. If you're a Saints fan, you know, Pelicans fan, I would urge you to do the same thing. But what's interesting, you've got we've got a swirl of injuries. You've got all this reflection on last year and what the plays need to be. You see that you know we've essentially handed Philadelphia a top ten pick. And then I would say the biggest story, which is interesting because I get I guess directly related to how the Saints are going to perform as in the upcoming draft is what you guys continue to refer to as the Sean Payton sweepstakes. Uh, but I mean, that's the big story of the offseason so far. And what we're going to get in return is going to be important. Some people think they're going, we're going to get the ranch, but you recently wrote a column that said, don't expect the ranch. But what's give us the latest. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I agree with you. It feels like that's almost the dominant storyline in New Orleans, and Sean Payton's been gone for a year now, but it directly impacts the Saints because Sean Payton's still under contract. You know, he's the, the Saints have his rights for two more years. So anywhere he chooses to go, if he does elect to take a coaching job, there'll have to be compensation worked out between that new organization and the New Orleans Saints. So it does directly impact the Saints. Uh, we've seen historical precedent in this matter with John Gruden going from the Raiders to the Bucks, and, uh, you know, Bruce Arians going to the Bucks uh, over the years. Uh, we've seen it with Herm Edwards and, of course, famously back in the day with Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick and the Patriots and Jets. What a mess that was. So it, it's not unheard of for a coach to do this, but the, the historical precedent doesn't lend much insight into what the compensation will be. I think that's what everybody's curious about. Will the Saints get – a first-round draft pick? Will they get multiple first-round draft picks? Will they get, uh, you know, a second and a first? You know, there's really no way to know. Uh, but what I think is going in the Saints' favor right now is the fact that multiple teams have already reached out 
uh, to request permission to talk to Sean Payton. And those three teams are the Arizona Cardinals, Denver Broncos, and Houston Texans. So you got at least three teams interested. That doesn't mean they're going to offer him the job, but they've at least expressed interest. And I think the best scenario for the Saints is if he does elect to go to a team, uh, that there are multiple teams interested in him because that could create a little leverage for Mickey Loomis to get the best deal possible. I thought you guys at NOLA.com and Times Speaking did a great job of, uh, of of sharing the betting lines on on the coaches that are being considered for all three teams. And, I, man, I was actually blown away with how many potential head coach head coach uh, you know candidates are in play. It's, it's I mean it's a it's a pretty big field, isn't it? Yeah, look, I mean he's I mean Sean Payton is a generational coach. Uh, he, you know, we saw what he did here and uh, there's going to be interest in him. I don't know necessarily if he's going to take a job. I mean, there's a lot of interest right now, but I'd say right now if I had to guess, I would say I'd lean toward him not taking a job and sitting out another year, but you know, no one really knows. I don't even think Sean knows right now. I think he's going to go visit with these teams. He can't go anywhere until the 17th. The league's mandated no coaching interviews on site until the 17th. So he's still got a few days before he gets out. But you never know. Look, we've all been to job interviews where we didn't think we were going to take it. And you get in the building, you meet the right people. They're persuasive. And uh, you change your mind. And so I, I would not rule out anything with Sean Payton. I, I think he's done a lot of homework. I know he's done a lot of homework on these openings. Uh, but I don't think it's necessarily tied to the current roster or the quarterback that's on the team. I, I don't think that's high on the priority list. Uh, I think it's more important to him right now to find a place where he thinks he can win long term, yeah. have sustained success. And what that means is, You've got functional leadership in the building, functional ownership, uh, functional uh, management, people around you. That's more important to him right now than who's the starting quarterback on that roster. Yeah, the culture of the organization. Yeah, and for all the challenges the Saints had with you know uh, preceding Tom Benson's death, and then um, you know it, it, all all of all of that that swirled. You led that story as it related to Rita Benson and and that situation. Uh, but what that did in the wake of all of that, what that did is actually solidify the the, the management and ownership and, and, and for the time of, you know, while, while Sean was there, the coaching staff. And that's enviable, isn't it? That, that setup that was here, that's still here at the Saints, is an enviable sort of setup uh, culturally for, for a head coach, isn't it? Yeah, and look, I think, I think the Saints are a great example. Uh, you know, Sean Payton came here when it looked dysfunctional on the outside. But actually, in a lot of ways, it was very functional. You had a, a strong management team and ownership that allowed the coaches and football people to do their jobs. I mean, Tom Benson and Gail Benson, that, that's a strength of this organization is they allow their people to do their jobs. They hire good people, let them work. And so from the outside, it might have looked dysfunctional. But to Sean Payton, it looked very functional. So I think that also could be true of some of these other jobs. I think the only thing I would say about the quarterback is I don't think Sean would go somewhere where there's a bad quarterback situation already in place and one that's not uh, really that he could get out of. In other words, I think that would be an impediment to him going somewhere. But if it's wide open, say the Houston Texans, who really have a wide open roster and a young quarterback who they could move on from and Davis Mills, 
or Carolina, which is has an opening open spot. Uh, I think those are not just because there's not a quarterback answer there on the roster. I think he almost would look at that as a benefit more than a than a disadvantage. Yeah, the you know, Denver. Even though Denver, as you and I have talked about in past shows, even though Denver, Denver may back up the Brinks truck to try to get Sean Payton, the situation around Wilson is just unattainable, at least in the short term. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. Um, you know, a lot of reflection. You've written about it. Your team has written about it. This final game of the season, in some respects, I'm kind of glad they didn't win because, I mean, the truth is the, the season was kind of a dud. And they ended on a dud. And and you guys have not pulled any punches in, in pointing that out, have you? No, look, I think you make a great point. I totally agree with you. I felt like the the late winning streak was almost masking how bad the team was. I think throughout the year, because they were in such a bad division, the NFC South, and it allowed them to maintain their playoff hopes. On one hand, it's great because you're still playing relevant games and you still got a chance. But uh, on the other hand, I think it, it there was a little denial going on within the building of just how far this team's got to go. As I pointed out in my column, I mean, this team is closer to the bottom of the league right now than they are to the top. And I think that that reality needs to sink in. They cannot have denial in this offseason. They can't sugarcoat things. Uh, you know, they tried to, and I understand why they did it, tried to maintain the status quo uh, with the Sean Payton regime, and I don't think it worked. I, I guess what I would say the biggest uh, issue I think going forward is really Dennis Allen now. He's had one year under his belt. He has to determine what the identity of this team is going to be, and I think we – we can see it, right? It's going to be a defensive-minded team. Uh, you know, they're going to be conservative on offense. They're going to be a lot like the Baltimore Ravens, the old Jim Mora Saints. Uh, and I think to do that, you need to kind of find out offensively a, a different identity because right now uh, they brought uh, Pete Carmichael back. They they kept the same offensive system that Sean Payton was running. I'm not sure that's conducive or marries up with what the philosophy is, is Dennis Allen as a head coach. So I could see them overhauling the offensive staff or the quarterback and finding something more conducive to playing that type of football going forward. Well, Jeff, in my time, and I've mentioned this to you before, but my time as a CEO, if I look back, there, in similar situations where you've got someone like a number two, here's people, Mark Carmichael was the number two. He was a, you know, he was a strong number two. He, he wasn't a number one. But in situations like that where you where you want to go, okay, at least he's a known commodity. It's better to, better to know the devil you know than the devil you don't know. They put him in the job. The point is that when Pete Carmichael said he didn't want the job, when I had a number two that said they didn't want the job and I still promoted him, I usually regretted it. I mean, just, just, it just, Pete knew that he didn't have the skill sets to do what he observed Sean Payton doing on a, on a consistent basis. So I, I agree with you. I expect big changes in offensive leadership. And if they don't, man, it's going to be more of the same. When we come back, we can continue. We had some really terrible injuries on the offensive line. Liz Frank injuries. I mean, again, we've talked about that on a regular basis. We'll continue the conversation with Jeff Duncan on the other side. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet. By going to supertalkmsgolfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Uh, we have Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. And one of the things that I couldn't help but think about, Jeff, as we were finishing up that section, is that when you think about the flurry of activity around Sean Payton, you think about you know, trying to maintain some of his culture here at the Saints while, you know, becoming a defensive-minded game. It seems to me that the book you wrote on Sean Payton and Drew Brees probably needs to have a whole nother chapter to it. Yeah, it's a great point. I think uh, this uh, post-Drew Brees, Sean Payton era is fascinating to watch. And historically, it's been very difficult to replace a Hall of Fame quarterbacks like that, first ballot Hall of Famers like Drew Brees, and then on top of that, you've got a coach that's probably going to be a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, that kind of leadership doesn't come along very often. And uh, there's a transition in place. And Dennis Allen talked about that on Monday when we visited with him. He said, you know, those those quarterbacks like that don't grow on trees. And uh, so I think the, the Saints are figuring all that out. What this post-breeze landscape, what, that's, what that is like. And uh, I think determining the identity of the franchise going forward under Dennis Allen, uh, we saw kind of that play out in the second half of the season. And I think they need to do more of that this offseason. I think it's a critical offseason. I think they have to be very bold, very aggressive, very creative to get back in the mix. But there's reason for optimism. A lot of young players came on this year. Uh, they have a lot of work to do in free agency. Uh, they have to be creative, I think. I think they will. Kai Harley and Mickey Loomis are terrific at crunching those numbers. But it's going to be a challenge because they're over the cap and uh, they've got 26 unrestricted free agents, Ricky, including a lot of key guys on this roster that I think they want back. Uh, but there's going to be a market for their services. Well, you know, you think about Chris Olave. What a great choice he was. I mean, he set a record for rookie, even even did better than than uh, than. Marcus Colton and uh, and and Michael, um, <laughs> my mind went blank. Uh, uh, Thomas, Thomas, of course, of course. But uh, what a season he had, and he's still not satisfied, is he? No, look, he he needs to get stronger. I mean, we saw that in the Carolina game. I mean, that was the knock on him coming out of Ohio State. He's a very slight guy. He's not big. He's not the kind of guy that's going to go over the middle and make contested catches. That's not his game. Uh, he's a polished, smooth route runner and very advanced for his age. So, yeah, they hit a home run with Chris Olave, and I think his his quick development, along with the out-of-nowhere emergence of Rashid Shahid, I mean, no one even knew who this guy was in training camp, and now he's the number two receiver on the team. I think those two guys, uh, the fact that they're both on rookie contracts allows the Saints to consider moving on from Michael Thomas, and I think they will here in March. Uh, either release him or trade him because they feel good about their receiver position. And I don't think you could have said that a year ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, and other receivers emerged. I mean, ones we weren't sure about. I mean, we've had, it was a lot of, lot to look look at there that was very positive for the future, wasn't there? Well, I mean, tight end Juwan Johnson, who's a former receiver who got converted to tight end, along with Adam Troutman. And you, you have to throw Taysom Hill into that mix as just a, a offensive playmaker. Those, those are the guys I expect all back. Those five, uh, for sure. I, I think Traquan Smith is still valuable to this team because of the way he blocks. But they need a another running back to go 
with uh, Alvin Kamara. I think Eno Benjamin opened some eyes. The, the young guy they brought in from Houston who was cut by Arizona earlier this year, I think he's got a chance to stick on the roster. But what they really need, uh, in my opinion, is a bigger physical back to go with Alvin Kamara. If they're going to be this physical team, they can't always just run Taysom Hill. They need another back, I think, to carry the load, especially with Alvin as he's getting up in age and the fact that you know he's probably going to serve a suspension next year. Uh, A running back, to me, is the number one need on offense. Well, frankly, the way they're pursuing that case in Las Vegas, a suspension is is what he should hope for. Right. (laughs) Hopefully that case doesn't end up in jail time. What's your what's your read on it these days? You know, I haven't heard much new on it, to be honest with you. But, I mean, everyone I've talked to thinks uh, he, he definitely will be suspended. There's no doubt it's going to be a lengthy suspension. And there are some legal experts, some lawyers I've talked to that think he will serve jail time. Yeah, I think it's all going to come down to the DA uh, in Clark County, uh, how much he wants to pursue this. But uh, I've also heard other opinions that say, they think because his record in the past has been clean uh, that he'll be okay. But uh, I think it's a dangerous situation for the Saints, and they have to have a backup plan. I know they know that. The problem the problem with that case is going to be when it starts to get focused on, then that video, you know, just, gosh, the video is something that's going to be incredibly damning. It's going to be showed millions of times it's just going to be it's going to be a bad moment for 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 him and frankly it's really unfortunate because as you know alvin Kamara's history with the saints has been someone who's not a troublemaker who's kind of an inspiring philosophical kind of guy very smart and he just got himself in that moment at that time at the pro bowl surrounded by people and it just you know, just shows you that at any moment, man, one bad decision can take you down a rabbit hole that you can't get out of. Yeah, what our parents all taught us, right? You know, very little good happens after midnight, and I think <laughs> I think this case, this is a prime example of it, and he's uh, paying a, a really costly price because of it. We talked about Liz Frank injuries last week. Man, oh man, two of them on the offensive line. But we've watched, of course, with Taysom Hill, you can recover. It's a little bit tougher injury to recover from, even after you had the surgery, for an offensive lineman. That's that that's a, that that creates a lot of doubt, doesn't it? Well, I'd say they'll be okay. I mean, I, I would think long term that's something that we have to worry about. I think the fact that you got the whole offseason now to to work on it, but it's it's certainly a setback for a young player like Trevor Penning, who already missed more than half the season with a toe injury, uh, that really uh, you know derailed his progress and his learning curve. And then now he's not going to be with the team all offseason again uh, while he's rehabbing his foot. So, yes, it's definitely a setback for the team. I mean, he, he showed great flashes of dominant play, especially in the run game at left tackle. Dennis Allen praised him on Monday – uh, he's going to be the starting left tackle next year, unless there's something wrong with his foot going forward. I don't anticipate that, but he's got a ways to go. But you can see the the, the mold, the clay is there. It's good clay to, for the offensive line coaches to mold. I mean, he's a big, physical, dominant player, a great athlete, and uh, I think the sky is the limit for him. Now, I think the Saints. We talked about getting creative in the off season. I wouldn't be surprised if they had to make a tough decision with Andres Pete, who's been kind of a core guy there, left guard for a long time. 
his contract's one of those ones they're going to have to take a hard look at. If they were to release Andres Pete, that creates a hole at the guard position. Cesar Ruiz, I think, showed improvement at right guard. But I think guard could be a spot that this team has to address in the offseason. You know what's interesting? I think about Trevor Penning. First of all, you said this before the season started, that when you're in the, in the presence of Trevor Penning, he's just this big hulk of a man. I mean, this, and then you saw it. I mean, I saw it when other people were standing next to him. First of all, the guy is just absolutely a giant, isn't he? Yeah, and I don't know if you saw the video of him in that game, but he, like, threw another human being <laughs> off the field. He threw him threw him away like a rag doll. It was crazy to watch. I mean, he, yeah, he's a force out there. Now, he got beat on an inside move on a pass rush that led to a key third down incompletion by Andy Dalton. That's where the Saints in that game were awful. Andy Dalton was one of seven on third down, and the one he completed went for one yard on a third and <laughs> two. So that was really not good. But that's an area he's got to get better at, pass blocking. I mean, that, he's going to get beat a lot doing that. When, when I think about Zion Williamson from the Pelicans and the rehab he had to go through with his foot, and he came back this guy that was just in shape and bulked up and ready to tackle the, the season. So if there's a if there's a sort of a silver lining in that injury uh, for Trevor Penning, is that's not he's just not going to just rehab his foot. He's going to work to get in shape. It's going to really create a, a very regimented, you know, opportunity for him during the offseason to come back ready to, you know, rip and roar, roar physically. And so, you know, maybe there's a, a silver lining in there somewhere. You know, the other thing, and this is a little off subject, but uh, you know, I didn't know this. None of us knew this at the game, Ricky. But Zach Streif revealed it this week on the WWL radio that before the game, Calvin Throckmorton was slated to start at right guard. And he going through his pregame warm-ups, hurt his back, just flukishly hurt his back. And this is after the, the inactives list had been designated. So they were stuck with him. He couldn't go in the game. They had to play Josh Andrews at right guard. He found that out 30 minutes before the game. He was starting at right guard. Then Penning got hurt on the last series. So they were down to starting Lewis Kidd at left tackle, a rookie undrafted free agent. Uh, that was the only five offensive linemen they had left on the roster. If one more would have gotten hurt, they'd have to put Adam Troutman out there tight end to play offensive line. So that shows you how crazy things get sometimes in the NFL games. So much to focus on, so much to think about. It. And uh, this will be a dynamic offseason. Off and I'm thrilled that we have Jeff Duncan to tap into to sort of get what's going on behind the scenes. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Have a great weekend, Ricky. Talk to you next week, buddy. You bet. When we come back, we have Greg Cronin. We'll uh, look forward to having a chat with Greg here after this. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.